Welcome. You're listening to the Earth Conversations podcast, where we explore how to open up to the greater conversation with Earth herself and with our fellow co-inhabitants such as trees, animals and plants through interspecies communication. In this time of environmental destruction, it truly is urgent that we begin exploring what Earth and her other-than-human communities are telling us. If you'd like to explore more in-depth material on this subject, please also visit our blog at earthconversations.org, where you can sign up to be notified through email about new podcast conversations, blog posts, events, and much more. We're excited and happy to have you join us for this podcast as we now go lie our heart at the ground and listen. Hi everybody, this is Maybert Joe, and welcome to the Earth Conversations podcast. Today I'm here with Angela Fisher. Angela is a mystic who has been sitting and working with people individually and in groups since her 20s. She is the author of several books in German and writings in English on feminine spirituality and mysticism, the particular path of how transformation works for women, the relationship of the feminine and the earth, and the role of women in the transformation and healing of the world. She has led seminars and retreats since almost 40 years and has held regular meditation meetings for 25 years. She holds a university degree in social science and in her 20s received trainings of bodywork and energy healing that led to the founding of the Center for Meditation and Healing. She has also gained many years of experience of living very simply in nature. At the age of 29, she met her real teachers and from then on has been following the Sufi path. She began living a family life with husband and children, still taking care of a meditation center and integrating in her work the everyday wisdom and trouble and the love and experiences she had. She was given through the grace of the Sufi path. She recently retreated from offering public events. At present, she dedicates her time to family, keeping the meditation place, and taking care of the garden, writing and seeing only a small group of, group of people who have belonged to the circle for many years. Angela is married, mother of four grown children and a grandmother of one, and lives with her husband in the countryside of northern Germany. Angela, warm welcome to you here in the Earth Conversations podcast. Hello, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. It's lovely to have you here. You have the center, uh, Oneness for Life, a place that offers to hold a space for the sacred feminine and the earth um, and life and the inner journey. How would you describe the nature of your work there? Um, the nature of my work, I would simply say maybe it's holding space and offering space, inner and outer. Um, when we think of space, it is often that we think of outer space. When a room is cluttered with all sorts of things and we have a lack of outer space, space is missing. But the same is true inwardly. And um, I think we have, in our culture, we have forgotten about inner space. And the feminine is very much connected to, to space. She's connected, connected to receiving. It's a feminine quality to hold a space, to keep a space as we as women offer a space when we conceive a child. Mm. And um, silence belongs to space and listening. And space is needed in order to relate to someone, to have a real relationship. So when two have a relationship with each other, you and I in that in this moment, for example, or you and the earth, mm -hmm. uh, the space is somehow the third element that is needed 
so that the relationship can take place. And um, without that, we cannot really relate or truly relate, I think. And um, the heart is a vast space, like the Upanishads say, it's vaster than the universe. And, of course, we can experience space in our heart. And so, yeah, mm. I think the, the, the work is mainly offering and holding a space. People can come here and meet in the outer space of the meditation room and the garden and be quiet. And so we can meet with inner space and um, it's somehow about living our soul's journey in everyday life in the end because we listen and see what um, is asked of us or what are the further steps in life to be taken or to focus on in inwardly and um, uh, in this uh, special particular part of the, this work has been with women uh, providing a space so that women can remember their ancient wisdom that is inherent to the feminine having to do with creation and care for the sacredness of creation, but also reawaken a certain potential uh, in that is living, that is in, yeah, that is present in women, uh, which is reconnecting spirit with matter, so that um, healing can happen. Mm. And yes, it's it's just providing this space to uh, give the possibilities uh, to remember what is inside of us or inside of people who are coming here. So when we connect to ourselves and find this inner space and, and we have this area of silence, how do we find the inner space of earth? Because in our culture, we're so used to thinking of earth as what we see outwardly. And we tend to forget that she also works very inwardly. Mm. And so how, how do we connect to earth, earth's inward space? Mm. Yes, how do how do we connect to that? It's it's it sounds difficult, but I think it's 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 quite simple because um, uh, the moment when I connect to to inner space with a space within me, I have access to this realm, and as we are part of the earth, and um, share. Uh, our life with her and uh, we can have this access to the inner space in the earth too. I mean, it's the same, uh, it's somehow the same way of um, relating to something or the same uh, access in the end. Yeah. But uh, you want to know something um, how to do it, something concrete, or what is your question? <laughs> well, there's two things. I, I, I can, well, if you can tell us your way on how to do it, then maybe it will inspire others, but also maybe tell us how it feels in your body, mind, and spirit to connect to that space and to Earth's um, living spiritual being, because then if we get your, um, hear your experience mm -hmm. as well, maybe mm -hmm. we can come closer to our experiencing it as well um, in our own way. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I, I think it, 
uh, I mean, when I when I relate to Earth as a as a spiritual being, as a living spiritual being, which is relating to the the inner uh, realm, um, it's not much different from how how do we relate to someone as a person um, uh, to as a spiritual being. I mean, we we feel with them or we. Uh, connect um, with inner feelings, and for me, is it with the earth? It is. I feel the the love with her, or I feel the joy with her, because love is what she's made of. Mm. And I feel, of course, also the sadness with her, and um, um, I feel this love very simply when I walk in nature, when I sit under a tree and listen to the birds and watch the sunlight dancing through the leaves, or when I tend to my garden and watch things grow, I feel her love for us and I feel how much she responds to my feelings. It's it's a mutual relationship, it's a kind of togetherness and in this I think um, I am I I am in contact with her inner uh, being. So, and um, I sometimes sing to her. Yeah, and I pray for her, and so that is my way to. Um, to uh, to relate to her in this in the in her spiritual dimension or yeah how to say this and I I just recall as something uh, a nice example also um, uh, because it's a re- relationship that permeates all levels of life I re- recently took my little granddaughter with me in the garden. She was visiting. She doesn't live with me. <laughs> and we visited all the flowers and the trees and the little pond with the frogs and, and the birds and said hello to everybody in the garden. And she is just about learning language. She's small still and learning words of our language. And so... <clears throat> She wanted to name the, all what is in the garden and the elements there. And we went to our huge birch tree that I had planted decades ago, decades mm. ago, long before my children were born even. It's a very, very huge old tree, wonderful. And, and um, it's like a family member. It's very... <laughs> very wise and old and and has lived with us all the time and the children loved it and <clears throat> I went with my granddaughter there and I said we stood at the tree and I said Baum because that's a German word for tree and and she touched with her little hands the the, the um, bark this beautiful bark of the birch tree and she said with so much love and tenderness Baum, baum, and that was a very magical moment, um, <laughs> because this is uh, something when we name the elements of of creation of the earth, we uh, relate in a particular way to her if we do it with love and with this inner sense of her inner being. Mm. So. What a beautiful story. And it actually, it coincides with, I was at the beach yesterday, mm-hmm. sitting there watching um, families in the water. And this family came down with two young children. And they were in the water and they saw a crab. And it's quite a contrast story to your story because there is no love there. It was, that crab was... They were very excited to see the crab and they were naming the crab. Mm-hmm. Look, at a crab, a crab, a crab. Mm-hmm. 
and they were trying to catch it and you know it was very um stressful mm-hmm. and distressing and it was it's funny because that naming because those children might not have had the same love and care and guidance to the um, seeing a being there. They were just seeing an object. So Mm -hmm. the crab became a confined living. So it's so extraordinary now that you say that there can be so much love in naming, like the baum, the tree, Mm -hmm. because there was an inner recognition of a being mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. it's a very beautiful contrast of this world and how it is right now yes okay. yes beautiful um and i really liked you said this about how when we relate to the inner being of creation of earth that it is you know if we if we remember how we relate to somebody we love, um, a person or a dog, mm-hmm. and, and we can transfer that into our way of of uh, connecting to Earth, then we have that relationship of being a part of something and, and loving her. And it just made it very tangible. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You also mentioned that um, this, that you have you sung or you sing to, for creation, and you mention on your website this that the sacred feminine sings the song of creation. Um, yes. What? How do you? What do you mean by that? And how do you experience it? The the song of creation. Um, what kind of ear <laughs> are you listening with for it? Yes. Um, <clears throat> Uh, yes, of course, not with my outer ears, uh, but I don't know. Some people may be hearing it also with their outer ears, but I don't hear it with my my normal senses. But what I'm referring to with that uh, with this phrase is um, that there is this ancient song that fills the whole of the universe this song of creation and um, there have been had been I must say or have been ancient traditions where humans listened to this song and and tuned into it and had their rituals in daily life to live with that song and dance with it and give birth with it and prepare their food with it and die with it because it's a way to live in harmony with creation. Uh, it's a song, uh, it's a music through which everything comes into being, which comes from the non-existence into this world of matter. And the feminine is present at this place because um, it's the divine energy, uh, it lives in all of us, that is... Um, there where things come into being, where things are being incarnated. And yes, of course, in our culture, our society has forgotten this song, which, like what you told of the uh, children at the beach, um, we have forgotten that there is a song and that we can tune into this song. And um, we have lost the ways to bring ourselves back in harmony with creation. And by that, I do not mean creation, not as a noun, but as, a, as an ongoing mystery that uh, is new in every moment and uh, happening at every moment. Mm. Um, but I think the song is still there. It is covered up, but we can find it in our hearts and we can find it in our lives. And I myself, I have experienced it in a very special way after my children were born, because each time shortly after they were born, I, I heard this music, I heard this song, and, and it ran through all my feelings. It, it, 
it's beautiful. It's beautiful beyond what we can imagine. It sounds beautiful. It sounds like the rhythm of life, the true rhythm of life. Yeah. You recently wrote this article called um, Spring Butts in the Time of Crisis, where you write about the deeper meaning of the pandemic crisis. Um, and I was one. can you tell us what you feel about um, is the deeper meaning of, of this crisis and, and how you experience it? And also, is, is this crisis somehow connected to the song of life? Is she telling us something um, in it, maybe? Or is that a part of the harmony to trying to slow us down? I think that's what I'm... I'm Mm, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's a big question. And um, yeah, that article, it was in the beginning when it all started. And I have to confess, I was a bit enthusiastic uh, to think maybe something can change <laughs> I was back then. <laughs> I had the same feeling that I thought something could really change. Oh, I felt it deeply um, yeah, at that time. But- Yeah, yeah, I'm not so sure anymore. Unfortunately, uh, not me either. <laughs> um, but of course, um, I mean, I do not know the deeper meaning, of course. Mm. But um, speaking of a crisis, a crisis, uh, in every crisis there is a meaning, of course, we We know this from our personal experiences, from our individual experiences, because crises belong to life. Mm. And um, if you look at the uh, etymology uh, as the origin of the word crisis, it comes from ancient Greek, mm. meaning uh, decision or distinction or shift. And I think we are confronted with a choice. How do we want to live? And, um, but it's, I mean, this virus crisis is a small crisis in relation to the much bigger crisis we are in in this world. And maybe it's only a symptom of a bigger crisis, of this bigger crisis, which of course has to do with the destruction of the natural world and the complete domination of, of humankind and this, kind, this total uh, human-centered way of living here. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I mean, I, I agree that it's not really a big crisis. It's made up to be a big crisis because of the the media for one thing is is reporting about it but we have a lot of wars and we have a lot of other you know environmental uh crises yes. that have the potential and, and are already causing more disaster than this virus but the difference is that suddenly it reaches us in our richest parts of the world yes. <laughs> and, and affects us all Exactly. We cannot say anymore, oh, it happened somewhere else, you know, when yeah. there are fires in Australia or in the Amazon or the refugee crisis and uh, climate so-called disasters. If it, if we are not affected by it in the area where we are living, we can say, oh, it's somewhere else. It doesn't have anything to do with me. It doesn't concern me. And suddenly this crisis, that is different. Uh, really different from everything what happened before uh, is that everything in the world is everyone in the world is alerted because um, yeah it doesn't say, care about the color of the skin it doesn't care about how money much money you have in the bank it doesn't care if you're you yeah know. but that's not quite true because i think the 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 poor people in the world are more in, uh, affected by it and the, the people who are not so privileged we can that is say true that. yeah because of sanitary issues they don't have the same measures of of guarding against it um yes yeah true 
but that's also a, a curious thing with this virus is that it, you know, I think um, I've explored this a little bit before with other people. Um, and that is we've built our houses, you know, we've concealed ourselves so much off from what we call nature out there. You know, we can sit comfortably and weather out storms, mostly unless they're really bad or you know, we have heating in the winter and we can cook food on our electric stoves. And, you know, so so somehow we've drawn ourselves up and thought ourselves as not being a part of nature. Hmm. And we think we're safe. You know, we've had this false sense of security and think nothing can reach us, at least in the Western, you know, rich countries. Yes, because we think we can control everything. Yes, and then suddenly this virus comes and yes. it, you know, creeps inside the doors. It doesn't care about a door or a supermarket or, a, you know, so suddenly mm -hmm. we feel our vulnerability. And I think that's a good thing, actually. I yes. know many people suffered from this crisis, so I'm not, you know, pointing towards that being a good thing. But I think being aware of our vulnerability and being with it, not being scared of it is a, yes. is a yes. good thing. And I think there are other things too. People, some people realize how much we are connected, which, I mean, we are always connected. Everything is connected, connected in, also in every single crisis. But in this crisis, people really experience it and become aware of it because this virus travels with people, it travels with airplanes, it travels with cruise ships, it travels from person to person. Mm -hmm. You can't deny anymore that we are connected over the whole globe and um, uh, that is also something that is important, I think, that people realize this. And I think it's also that um, some people at least could realize that um, it's possible that we can live differently because of uh, because of our uh, response to the crisis the shutdowns and all this we had to experience i mean we have we were forced to experience this most of us i wasn't forced because my life hasn't changed much up but other people were forced to uh, experience um, that you can live more simple and you don't die from it and oh. <laughs> that you can renounce traveling outer traveling and and flying we don't need that in fact i mean you could experience that we don't really need it and people had forgotten that um, the sky can be clear <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, waters can be clear, and now we see it is possible. Yeah. Um, now we know that if we do change our behavior, then the possibility for the earth to regenerate and and heal some of all of the poisons we've afflicted her to is is possible. Maybe even yes. sooner than we would imagine. Yes, if we I change the behavior. Yeah. Yes, I mean it's. Uh, I think uh, it's just a short window through which we could look, or at least some people in the world could could look uh, could see that things can be otherwise. It's not more than that, but that is a lot because we were used to live in those habits unconsciously, totally as if there's nothing else possible, you know. It's it's just, um, yeah, a little bit of a waking up, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, true. And when we pour poisons into a river, we can look the other way and, you know, not really pay attention or don't, you know, we can close our eyes to the fact that the poison travels down that river into other systems and into mm. other people and mm. how it affects the world. We can kind of, because it do, might not directly affect ourselves at this moment. Mm. But when something like a virus comes along and it can affect 
your life immediately or the life of those who love you love um, mm-hmm. immediately it's it's a different thing you suddenly yes. get oh wait a minute that this is a wake up call mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and you talk about borders because now we're we're not um, able to travel the same way we we did before but you also talk about the inner borders and and that they open up more when the outer borders are closed and um and and I just I because I felt because you mentioned the birth song in in um, in the article as well and I I'm I really noticed how the bird song changed here and I've seen it reflected in so many um, mm-hmm. places online and and in, in with other people so I was, and and your article was one of those places where I saw it reflected that something happened with the bird song when this happened, when the crisis really hit us. Um, it was like, I don't know, for me, it felt like a space that the birds suddenly had more, more space or they could, I don't know what hap- happened. Do you have a feeling of it? Um, mm. I think uh, something in the world wasn't that dense anymore as it was before. Uh, And um, what I recently thought is, uh, or what I could feel is that this this virus crisis had the effect on people that it was a kind of shock, it shaked. Mm. the world a little and um, when those shaking are taking place when something is shaking you know this from an earthquake Mm. then um, things fall a bit apart so that there are that everything is not that dense anymore because there suddenly there are little holes or in between you know it's not so fixed anymore and uh, if this this density in the world, if it loosens a little bit, then things can come through. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that, um, and I think maybe that has to do with it, what you uh, describe uh, from the birds and the bird singing, because something hasn't been that dense anymore. So there was, yes, we are... <laughs> Again, talking about space, there was space, more space. Mm. It's funny because when we were talking about the song of creation, yeah. and I know the song of creation is is the song of the whole universe. Yeah. But I also thought of you know the song of Earth and how yes. the birds are singing the song of Earth all the time. I I got this image of bird song or this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's an outer expression, of course, because, I mean, everything in creation sings a song of praise mm. to its creator and the earth as a whole, I think. And the birds are maybe somehow messengers who, who sing the songs uh, so that our outer ears can hear it. But also the trees and the plants and the animals, they all sing. Mm. and sing that song and the birds are chosen maybe to bring it to our ears mm. so um and yes uh, maybe we that's maybe that's true that we could through the birds we could hear a bit more this song i don't know <laughs> i think no i don't know either but i've and I'm just going with a hunch here because I hadn't thought about it before we were speaking now. And the other, I think when 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 you get a shock, um, when a human being gets a shock, the mind kind of stops a little bit. You can't mm. think in the same mm. way. So mm. the thought forms disperse a little bit. So there's mm. more room, that space. Mm. And maybe that's the same, you know, the human collective field kind of got a little bit of a shock. 
So their thought forms actually disperse a little bit, which makes the it's easier for the birds to come in and mm-hmm. have a bigger impression or sing in a yeah. more yeah. intense way. Yeah. And I had this personal experience two weeks ago where I'd been in contact in conversation with a person, not for a podcast, but where there is a lot of darker thought forms around this person. Um, and it became very heavy. And I woke up in the middle of the night all of a sudden in a very uncomfortable tight container almost it felt like very limited and there were all of these very heavy dark thought forms there and I mean I was able to stay calm and just reach through the light and and not but then this was about half past two in the morning and here right now the birds began singing at three o'clock in the morning and with that bird song it just dispersed immediately and I was quite oh crazy yeah I was really surprised and I thought Mm -hmm. what if that is a part of the bird song you know if we listen to the if we really listen to them Mm -hmm. do it make it does it make it easier for us to you know to to quiet our mind to find that you know silent space because what they do is maybe dispersing the the thought forms for us maybe they their joy and their praise is maybe part of cleaning the the mental air <laughs> i don't know yes this could be but it i mean last night i woke up by the bird song at a th- uh, a half past three and i was a bit grumpy <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't slept so much. <laughs> so it can also be otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I have that experience too. But that night it was a welcome relief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mostly I'm happy about it. And we have so many birds here. So we have this this loud, loud bird song uh, all the time. I mean, it's it's wonderful because it's it's like an orchestra. Mm-hmm. It's really an orchestra, but it's also, I think, because my husband feeds them very much. <laughs> <laughs> so we have many of them here, and yes, a wild garden around, so they like it. Mm-hmm. So you've me- you you mentioned in the article as well that when out, you know, the outer space is restricted, the inner space widens um, and the heart and the body has a chance to be listened to. Um, And then I thought, how how do you, what's the distinction between listening to one's heart and one's body? And could you maybe tell us a, you know, a story of it? It's a distinction between listening to the heart and to the body, you ask? Yes. Mm. Mm. If there is a distinction, I don't know. Yeah, what is the background of the question? I I try to 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 put it into. A, um, I mean, when I I I just start <laughs> talking yeah. about it, maybe yeah. I find a way. Um, when I listen to the heart, um, I listen to that pl- uh, to the place inside of me where love resides and where where um, where I find the deeper connection to to the source and 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 to the great beloved and. Um, um from there i can listen what is um what is beyond my own uh, concepts and 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 thoughts and uh, and uh, all that has been created around the person and the eye and 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 things that come from the world and uh, thought forms from the world so I find a a deeper place and when I listen to the heart um, 
uh, I need to um, yes, I, I need to to be prepared to to enter a certain space where I leave behind my own thoughts and um, so it's like 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 when you are listening to um, like like outer listening when you are at a place where loud music is playing from the speakers and someone whispers to you and then you cannot hear them because um, yeah because of the loud music around and then you in order to listen to them you have to turn the volume down and uh, and also you have to be interested in what uh, the person wants to tell you so and this is true also of course for for the inner listening to the heart you have to to um, turn down the volume of your thoughts and concepts and occupation with yourself and uh, leave it behind and be prepared to um, to follow what what you listen to and um, uh, to be attentive to it, to be interested in it. So, and um, that's what I would say is listening to the heart. You have to tune into a place where where everything is one and and not divided in like thoughts are. Uh, and listening to the body, um, I mean, it's pretty much the same. You you use your um, uh, senses and your attention, and um, maybe listening to the body implies also that um, you which is not always common, which is not always, uh, um, which is not for everybody of uh, us, that we respect the body as something which is sacred and which is, I mean, the the human body is beautiful and uh, the feminine body especially, and to, to, to respect that there is a light in it and that the body is sacred, that it's a very beautiful uh, um, vehicle that carries us through this life as long as we are here on earth and that we share with the earth. And um, I think if we acknowledge that, if we value this, uh, then... um, then it is easy, more easy to listen to our bodies. So, but uh, I cannot really tell the difference. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Um, But yeah, we've we've learned um, since children in the Western world to um, uh, disregard our bodies' communication, I think. So... So we've learned that if we're sick, we just need to keep running or we take a pill and numb it or we do something to it. And I think it's it could be, my notion is it could be a reflection of, of how we're not capable to listen to the earth's body either because our body, yeah. in my experience, is also the earth's body. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this uh, attitude, of course, belong. Uh, it belongs together. It's the same thing. Mm. No. It's our heritage of pat- patriarchy, I think. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> to dismiss what is um, uh, the, the body and the earth as something sacred. Mm. To to not value it anymore, just uh, see it as an, an outer thing and uh, uh, nothing that has to do with spiritual and, and within, with the inner and with the soul. And so we cut it off. And um, 
So we didn't learn to listen really to the body because um, you can't listen to something if you don't uh, uh, acknowledge it as as uh, as something whole and sacred and wise. Our bodies are also wise, like the earth. Yeah, and we've had we've been we've afraid of the body now. I don't know what happened, but I, I really don't know what happened. But it's like first of there's two things here that I'm that I'm feeling is one of the things is all of this plastic plastic surgery and all this these way of of changing the body and you know mm. like we're not happy with it and and we all have to be like in a certain way and the other thing that I'm feeling is all of this rape of the body that we haven't acknowledged you know there's a lot of rape of both women and men physical rape and but also a lot of um you know the way we work today we don't respect our body we sit at desks all day mm. or we do mm. other types mm. of things that are not healthy for our body so we've we've come so far and and not you know even noticing that our body is alive it's mm. yeah but you're very much disconnected yes yeah Hmm. Um, and of course if we don't connect to ourselves, that could be the pain or the threshold that you know if, if it's too painful to connect to our own body again to start realizing how much it's hurting either really hurting physically or you know don't want to be in the situation we put it in at our job or whatever it is then then maybe it's very difficult to listen to Earth's body as well. Do you think so? I mean, could that be one of the reasons why we're so um, reluctant to see what we're doing to the Earth? Because we would have to change. And the same with our own body. We would have to change if we actually felt what we're doing to it. Yes. Yes. I think it's one aspect of it. There are many aspects, but this could be one aspect of it. Um, we are so far removed from a, from a um, cause to live in harmony with, with, with life, with the earth, with our life here on this earth, that um, uh, we were seeing this way no, it's a great deal. <laughs> it's it's a big thing, and it it has deeper dimensions to it. I don't think we can go into that now. But um, yes, um, well, we. I think the first the first step would be to to uh, witness, to acknowledge, to see what we are doing. I mean. Uh, that would be the first thing, and then see what, where we are leading. Then, because I think there's a lot of grace needed to uh, switch <laughs> uh, the way we are living on this earth. But, but I think the first contribution we as humanity could do is yes, to acknowledge and to see and to admit and to face uh, how we are relating to the physical world which is our bodies and which is the earth in also in her physical dimension because we uh, separated it from the soul in our view that is the same thing how we treat the earth and how we treat our bodies the way we live this time this time mm. and Yes, we were in the last uh, century, human, humanity was given so many uh, new tools and we used it like, um, like adolescents, you know, without any responsibility. I mean, yes. And <laughs> that is what comes out of it. We are sitting in front of our desks and, and the children are playing with their... Um, devices 
electronic devices, we are completely separated from nature, we are separated from our bodies, we have, uh, we can't see the beauty of the body, we want to change it and uh, do surgeries and things. And I mean, we didn't use what was given to us in a way that we could live more in harmony uh, with uh, with creation and and uh, with uh, the love that was given into creation, which is a, uh, the source of creation, so to mm. say. Yeah. Yeah, I. Th I um, that's one thing. This um, crisis also showed us that. You know, there are so many other ways of working it. And for many, it's very unnecessary, not for all, but to go into work, to use our car, to do, you know, even just such a small thing as, you know, taking, not pollution, you know, not polluting just because of that. And maybe even be more comfortable and have less um, hardships in our lives, running around, having to less um if you travel an hour or two for work and you have to mm. pick up kids and they have to stay longer in the kindergarten and you know all of these things has kind of showed us that maybe maybe you know we took all of this um electronics and even the the internet and we used it for shopping and window you know like ex, you know exposing our shops and what you could buy instead of making it work for us Mm -hmm. um, and the earth and how we would like to live our lives. So just just even that small portion was shown to us in, in the pandemic yes. of how yeah. things could yeah. be different. Yes, but I'm afraid most people forget very quickly. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, I can tell you here in Denmark, we're, um, we almost forgot about the pandemic now. What pandemic? You know, we're back to normal and we're being told to... Um, to consume more because yes, we need consumption yes. in order to drive the economy. And I have seen I have seen programs in the TV in the news when when things began to open up again and you saw these smiling faces of people who say, "Oh, finally shopping again." Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I was so glad because I hate shopping. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard this. Uh, a strange expression by by someone who said uh, about a certain problem which was difficult and he said you can't shop it away mm. so that's um, yeah that's our world yeah we shop things away <laughs> yeah uh, but I think that's a really good thing you know you can't when when heartache or difficulties or real crisis actually hit you can't shop it away and maybe shopping is one of the things that you know, was partly responsible for the crisis to begin with and somehow. Yeah, but yeah, the cause of this strange shopping thing is, of course, that there is a big hole inside of humanity, which is um, where there is no meaning, you know. People mm -hmm. are searching for meaning and that is a sad outcome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we have no meaning, but that was a good thing, you know. That was some. That was really one of the sweetnesses of this pandemic crisis as well, because it forced us to stay home. I know, again, this was difficult yeah. for some, being with their children and noise and all these yeah, things. Yeah, but, yeah. but it also there was such an opening for sweetness with because yes. you mm -hmm. had to engage in your local community again, take care of your neighbor. You mm -hmm. know, if somebody couldn't leave their house, you would shop for them. There were people um, doing groups for other people helping and you were with your children you had more time with them mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that was such a sweet thing that this brought with us that yes and I heard from several women young women who's, who have small children they said they enjoyed it so much you in the media you always hear it it was terrible for families and uh, for women especially because they are pressed 
back into that uh, old role. But my personal experience was I heard from some women who said, oh, I enjoyed it because it was so relaxed. I could be relaxed with my children. But of course, this is also for the privileged ones we have to. Mm, yes. And um, there's always the other side to it. Uh, it in the beginning, there was always this slogan, stay at home. And I sometimes thought it's kind of cynical for those who don't have a home, you know, yeah. the homeless and the refugees. And it sounds cynical for them, uh, this slogan, stay at home. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it has two sides to it. But yes, I think this was a good thing. Uh, I think, too, this was a good thing because you could see that people were able to transform their fears and anxieties into care and compassion and love. And people became creative again, which is something very important, I think, uh, that we need in this time um, uh, to become more creative, to, to find new ways to um, live differently or to to at least to come through this uh, difficult time that is now and that will be definitely ahead of us so mm. uh, yes i think you're right i mean f creativity belongs to the sacred feminine yes and i also think if i don't know the the human collective is a part of the world of earth um And somehow we have become so dominant. So if we, we actually um, also dominate how the world is for other species and where we're going to a certain extent. And I think if we can't, as a human collective, see a new dream, if we can't imagine something else be creative in our ways to arrange our society then it can't become so maybe this halt in our thinking process that opened this creative window could be a way to have new dreams and new visions of visions of how earth mm -hmm. could be in the future for not just humanity but everybody mm-hmm mm -hmm. So maybe on the long term that, because I agree with you mostly that I don't see much change happening either on the long run, but maybe the dreams, the visions, maybe something could creep into our collective subconscious. And mm -hmm. Yes, and, and I think um, there are more people uh, who remember uh, the true values uh, That, that are important to hold uh, a certain vision, how, how we can maybe will be able to live in the future and, and uh, just to, to hold it over a tough time that is ahead of us. I mean, uh, to keep it, to, to uh, keep this light inwardly. And I think, yes, that's... Uh, that is uh, a potential mm. that comes from it. Yes, and also this, because the values, this, we, we figured out, many of us, that if we can't hold our grandchildren, um, if we're this social distancing, if we can't hold our mother or father, or if we can't, you know, have that connection to them, then something is really lost. Um, and that pain might have been great enough for us to remember other values than shopping. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And also all the people who were forced to go out in nature because they couldn't go shopping. <laughs> so they had nothing else to do. It was the only thing, at least here in Germany, for a while it was the only thing you could do. You were allowed to go outside. Uh, and so many people did it who don't do it Otherwise, never. And suddenly they disc and it was springtime, which is a nice coincidence of all this. Uh, and people um, 
discovered, oh, it's nice to be outside, it's nice to be in nature, it's nice to walk in the forest, which was, for some people, it was quite new. So that uh, is a value that they di discovered uh, for the first time in their life. Yeah. Now, I know our governments in the Western world here are very eager to get us back on the consuming track, but do you think this pandemic have changed somewhere, have changed our collective dream of life on Earth? You know, in in every individual, not in every individual, but in, in enough majority to make a difference. You know. Do you think we have a little bit of another dream now than we had before? Uh, dream, you mean dream in terms of a vision? Yes. Um, um, <laughs> I don't think so as a collective, no. But I think there were some glimpses being given. But I don't know. <laughs> That's my, my personal opinion. <laughs> yeah. What I feel. A bit more of love was tangible for a moment, but um, there are other forces in the world that are very strong. Well, maybe, uh, you know, a little more of us will be able, after this um, experience, to hold that note of song, inner song and inner space and listening um, than before. At least that's a hope I have somewhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That little more can be with Earth. Yes, we can keep this hope. <laughs> <laughs> and I think those who are those who are touched by something, uh, they can hold and keep this light and 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 uh, can try to live it in their daily lives. I mean, it, it, we don't need to do very um, exclusive um, things or something eccentric to or create deeds, but we can all in our small daily lives, we have the opportunity to um, uh, to to hold a certain connection, to, to hold a connection to, uh, to that song, <laughs> to that music that um, gives meaning, that gives us meaning for our lives and for the world and, yes. That's a beautiful note to end on and very tangible that we can all through our own little ways, through what we love, you know, like being with a grandchild and going around the gardens and lovingly naming a tree, bang, <laughs> or feeding the birds as your husband. Um, yes, and uh, what I think is also important for those who have... Um, who are somehow inwardly touched by something that is greater than our human-centered selfishness and way to live in this world, is to hold the, the awareness that, um, as you were talking about dreams for the future or visions, to hold the awareness of um, that the future is within us, that we are the seeds or that we are setting the seeds for the future and that which is for, indig for indigenous people uh, very, um, uh, very normal to think that uh, everything we feel and we think and we do this moment has an effect on seventh generations ahead and which is I always think about this concretely and I think that's the the child of my grandchild's grandchildren that's seven generations ahead and to be aware of this that it's inside of us it's not somewhere else it's inside of us this future is not outside of us it's within us and uh, we are uh, laying the seeds to it with every thought and every act, be it so small in our small lives, but we are laying the seeds for 
the future and the seven generations ahead. And yes, it's inside of us. And then we can imagine another world, I think. Mm. Yes, and that's a good practice as well um, to, to remind yourself of that and, and live in that way of just just this moment you know what mm. what do you think and do and act this moment yeah. that you mm. want in the future mm -hmm. yeah beautiful good thank you so much Angela for participating here it's been a lovely conversation um I really hope for the best um for all of us and and uh thank you for your great work on on um this space of inner listening and creativity as well. Everybody, this was uh, my Bird Joe with the Earth Conversations podcast. I hope you'd enjoyed it as much as I have. And um, please, until next time, go lie your heart at the ground and listen. Thank you for listening to the Earth Conversations podcast. If you'd like to explore more in-depth material on how to open up to hearing the conversation that the Earth is trying to have with us, please visit our blog at earthconversations.org, where you can also sign up to be notified through email when new podcast conversations are ready, along with new articles and events. We would like to thank you for taking the time today to open up to the heart of the Earth and her ways of communicating with us. It is our sincere wish that you will tune into this greater conversation that she so desperately seeks us to have with her at this moment in time. To find the track to the wonderful music that underscores this podcast, simply follow the link below to iTunes or Spotify. Please take good care of yourself and the earth, and until next time, go lie your heart at the ground and listen. É terra, é mar, é vida infinita, é amor incondicional, é abraço apertado, carinho sempre dado, o aconchego no colo. E o alimento no peito é vida infinita, quando, quando.